Hi, I'm Dale Fryer, and this is American News Now. Trump started closing the gap this week, which is the exact opposite of what he wants to do with his daughter. The U.S. Census Bureau reported that median incomes grew 5.3% in 2015. We went out to the street to find out what Americans will be spending their extra money on. And how will you be spending your extra cash? Uh, I'm probably going to spend some more time at the strip club. How will you three be spending your money? Strip club! I'm going to go to the strip club a lot more. Road trip! <laughs> and I'm also going to go to the strip club more. Diamond's going to be there. I think I'm going to, with the extra money, I'm a... I'm going to go to the strip club. Great reporting, Nicole. It is 51 days from the presidential election, and Donald Trump has still not released his tax returns. Nicole Henderson reports on Teflon Don. Let's get down to brass tacks. Well, let's try. Donald Trump only trails Hillary Clinton by a few points, despite being the only presidential candidate in modern history to not release his tax returns. Have you seen Hillary Clinton lately? So weak. Got to be one of the weakest presidential candidates ever. She's dying. She's dying. Pneumonia? No, I know. I know. Pneumonia is what they say. I know. I find it hard to believe. Secretary Clinton, to her credit, has released her tax returns for the last three fiscal years. Yet Americans are left in the dark as to any of Mr. Trump's finances. His son, Donald Trump Jr., explained why his father has kept his tax returns confidential this week. I love my father and his money. He has a 12,000-page tax return with a whole bunch of stuff in it. And if we were to release this tax return, the liberal media would ask a lot of questions about it. And we're not in a position to open ourselves up to that. Heck, I don't even know what's in his tax return. While the Trump campaign insists that they are not concealing harmful information in the tax returns, many Americans are not buying it. I will donate $5 million to Donald Trump's charity if he releases his tax returns. Recently, LinkedIn co-founder Reid Hoffman made this offer to Trump on his blog. What is he hiding in his tax returns? Because me, I'm not hiding anything. I spent $15,000 on Armenian phone sex last year I'll admit that openly. And that stuff's only like 40 cents a minute. So what is so scandalous in Donald Trump's tax returns that he'll deprive a perfectly legitimate charity $5 million? $5 million? I could buy five of these black churches I've been visiting. I could buy a new Melania. Uh, you know this money would be going to your charity, right? That's weird. Why would I do anything for anybody if I'm not getting any money? You're very stupid, Nicole. Low energy. In spite of Trump's confusion, recent reports have suggested that on more than one occasion, Donald Trump used his foundation's money for his own personal gain. However, we are unable to confirm exactly how much of Trump's own money goes into his foundation, as he has not released his tax returns. And why doesn't anyone want to look at Mexico's tax returns? Because if you do, you'll see that they'll be paying for the wall. Unsurprised by Trump's rebuffing, Hoffman speculated as to why he is so reluctant to release his basic financial information. You know... What if he doesn't have as much money as he says he does? I mean, he has never made an app. In fact, he has denied black people housing applications. <laughs> Is that a good joke? My friends have been telling me I should do stand-up. But again, $5 million. Donald Trump has largely avoided questions about his business practices and lack of transparency, leaving his children and other campaign surrogates to face the media. I don't understand why everyone thinks he's such a bad guy. Is it the way he says China? 
I love all my children equally, except for Tiffany. But that's because they have a very, very good brain, the best brain. I won't release my tax returns until Obama releases his real birth certificate. I know there was a fake. Experts said it was a fake. While his lack of transparency is hardly the greatest concern, it does serve as a reminder that people should Pokemon Go to the polls. For American News Now, I'm Nicole Henderson. iOS 10 was released this week, touting important new features like new emojis, new emojis, and new Kimojis. 8.76 million Americans abuse prescription drugs regularly, a statistic that makes me want to take a clonopin. Eli Warren has more. Papa Diphenoxylate, I'm sweating. Prescription drugs are now the third most abused drug in America. Dr. Lu Wen is a primary care physician in New York's Chinatown neighborhood. They want uppers, downers, loopers, dupers, you name it, we got it. But we're not one of those places that hands out pills at the door. No, we make sure that you need them. No funny business. Wen, who was born Anthony Scagliani, requires patients to schedule a one-on-one -on -one consultation with the doctor himself before getting a prescription. We sat in on one of these sessions Thursday. Do you get a lot of headaches? Excuse me? You get a lot of headaches, right? Um, not really. Oh, because I thought you said you get a lot of headaches. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 I do. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and it, uh, it hurts when you pee, doesn't it? Yes, oh, yeah, it hurts real bad. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Let me write you a prescription for some Vicodin to take care of it. Wen's potential malpractice highlights the most startling trend in all of prescription drug abuse. In many cases, addicts get their fix from licensed medical professionals. I'm a good doctor. Last year, I diagnosed somebody with appendicitis, and after the surgery, I made sure they felt great. And I don't take any of the pills myself, except one that uh, rhymes with a waterfall in upstate New York. <clears throat> I was referring to Niagara Falls. With federal investigators cracking down on doctors with questionable medical practices like Dr. Wen's, Many abusers turn to the black market for prescription drugs. A lot of dealers like to call themselves street pharmacists, but I'm the only one who's gotten pharmaceuticals. Oxycontin, Adderall, Xanax for all y'all niggas who's scared to get on flights, Ritalin, Prozac, and Molly, excuse me, MDMA. This Miami drug dealer who refers to himself as Bum Deezy described his life as easy peasy, lemon squeezy. You don't know how glad I am to never have to see a crackhead ever again, except for my uncle, but it's not forbidden. Most of my customers are college students and stressed out moms. But no lie, sometimes they're just as bad as dope fiends. Marie Isaacson is one such mother. My kids, they just, they do so much. Soccer practice, ballet, clarinet. Okay, okay, you've got it, you've got it. And we're retiling in the kitchen. You know, Valium just takes the edge off. Why do you get your prescription drugs from a drug dealer rather than a doctor? Talk to a doctor about my feelings? <laughs> While Isaacson used to get her drugs from Bum Deezy, she recently found an alternative dealer in Little Havana. Our drugs are the same shit, man, but for half the price. 
They just got funnier names, that's all. Enrique Rojas and other Cuban gang members have undercut the prescription drug market by buying and selling generic versions of brand name drugs. Man, I need to run up in a little Havana and maybe uh take care of some competing pharmacy franchises, if you know what I mean. Fuck around, shoot me a nigga. As the black market for prescription drugs descends into a full-on gang war, the FDA is nowhere to be found. Yet, it seems as though the group the FDA is meant to protect has been completely forgotten. The consumers. I'll be fine. All I need to do is take six Valium, soil a bottle of vino, and pass out while watching an episode of Million Dollar Listing. <laughs> and I stopped thinking about killing my family. Prescription drug abuse claimed the lives of 25,000 Americans in 2015. But don't worry. According to the DEA, it's only as bad as weed. For American News Now, I'm Eli Warren. A Galapagos tortoise made headlines when it was estimated that he fathered over 800 offspring, single-handedly saving his species. Here, all the way from Ecuador is Diego, the Galapagos tortoise. Go, Diego, go! Oh, what a cutie we got here. Actually, tortoises are not cute. They are descendants of dinosaurs and other paleolithic reptiles. Oh, and you are? I'm Carl. I'm a herpetologist at the Santa Cruz Wildlife Preserve. So, little guy, you gotta pay child support for those kids of yours? Uh, well, actually, the tortoise community has no concept of child support. Well, do they not make tortoise-sized rubbers? His pullout game must leave something to be desired. <laughs> so, Carl, can you answer the question all of our listeners want to know? Does this tortoise eat the booty like groceries? I think we both know the answer to that question is no. Yeah, but look at this guy just sitting there, looking around, minding his own business, and oh, he, he's grabbing a microphone, and oh, God. Yeah, that's the uh, first step of the mating ritual, Dale. Can, can you get him to stop? No, he's pretty relentless. He's done. What's he doing now? It appears he's smoking a cigarette, Dale. I'd like to thank Diego the Tortoise for coming on to the program. <laughs> Donald Trump appeared on Jimmy Fallon and he slammed a Republican nominee with some hard-hitting beach balls. Big beer pong, anyone? This week... The Juilliard School, one of the most prestigious art schools in the country, took heat when they altered their graduation requirements. Stephen Chang reports. At the prestigious Juilliard School on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, a new class of actors will have a different curriculum. In addition to speech, movement, and story analysis, students will now be required to take courses in food service. I cannot believe that this institution would belittle its students like this. It is preposterous. I'm in a huff thinking about it. Ah, I went the wrong way. Mark Valencia is a first-year acting student who feels his craft is being taken for granted. I will deliver food on a planet to no man or woman, unless it is a part of my scene work. The primary course, Contemporary American Serving, is taught by Juilliard graduate and Times Square TGI Fridays manager Lloyd Manfred. What I want my students to think about is what the customer wants from you. As actors, we often ask ourselves if we are right, but in the service industry, it is the customer 
who is always right. Manfred let us sit in on his lecture Tuesday. One cannot be a great actor unless one is also a great waiter. The customer is your director. If you can deal with an irate customer who has waited for his tuna tartare for 30 minutes, you can deal with Chekhov. You can deal with Ibsen. You can deal with Beckett. Now, let's do some role-playing. Theodore, you're an angry customer who doesn't feel like his wife's food allergies are being taken seriously. And Lisa, you are a waitress who is just... trying her best. And go! Ma'am, I don't believe you're taking my wife's food allergy seriously. I'm sorry, I... Sorry won't remove the gluten from her plate. I can offer the meal for free. Don't bother, we're leaving. That's coming out of your paycheck. But you're not paying me anything. It is called acting! After his first session, student Mark Valencia's opinion on the class did not waver. I have you know, I've already played a waiter on a three-episode arc of Days of Our Lives. This class can give me nothing! However, the class did have its supporters. Juliana Brewer is a second-year student. You know, I wasn't really into the whole waitering thing, but then when I learned about the Fosse method of carrying plates from the kitchen to the table, I was hooked. I'm taking this class as an elective. It's doubtful that this new course will affect Juilliard's place as the top feeder school to Broadway and restaurants on Broadway. But one thing's for certain. Your father won't be proud of you either way. For America News Now, I'm Stephen Chang. On Friday, a Russian robot called Promobot was detained at a political rally in Moscow after he escaped from his lab. Video surfaced on Facebook of officers handcuffing the robot and dragging him away. Robots have come a long way since beating Garry Kasparov at chess and Ken Jennings at Jeopardy. What is suck it, Ken? But when robots gain the ability to think and make their own decisions, how will society treat them? Will robots be able to play Major League Baseball? Is it racist if they can't? But most importantly, if you fuck a robot, is it cheating? This is the one question that will define the upcoming millennia because if you call it cheating, is that not recognizing the robot's humanity? Because what is the difference between a sex robot and a dildo other than the fact that one can fit into your mama's drawer? There must be a level of artificial intelligence that would cause social norms to change. Surely they must be human if they insist you call the next day or make you breakfast in the morning. If this does not seem like an imminent problem, a researcher at Kirkwood College begs to differ, telling the Daily Star that he believes sex robots will be so addictive that they will cause society to crumble. Is he correct? Or does he just spend way too much time thinking about this stuff? Only time will tell. But don't be surprised when your neighbor leaves his wife for that sweet, sweet metallic ass. Maybe then society will agree that if you fuck a robot, it is probably cheating. And that's it for America News Now. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Dale Fryer reminding you that any machine can be a smoke machine if you use it the wrong way. Good night, America.